Today on the Relationship Renovation Podcast, we explore how ambivalence and self-abandonment can really be huge challenges within a relationship. Ambivalence being just when you when you just don't know what you want and you certainly don't know how to express it to your partner. And self-abandonment when you just like sort of get separated from yourself and are unable to express yourself in healthy ways to your partner. So we interview Teresa Jansen, a therapist, about these two. You're going to get a heck of a lot out of it. Stay tuned. Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And I'm just going to, let's jump right in. I'm going to let EJ introduce our special guest yeah. who's sitting here with us today in our office. We are grateful and excited to have Teresa Jansen, a licensed associate counselor. This is actually the second time she's been on the podcast, and she is a therapist at our facility and a really wonderful human being. She is a wonderful human being. And her first podcast, Co-Regulating with Your Partner, was awesome. So many couples reach out and say, thank you for this. So Yeah, do a little search, Co-Regulating with Your Partner, in our episodes. Welcome, Teresa. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Would you like to introduce the topic today, since it's your idea? Yeah. The topic today is ambivalence and self-abandonment within relationship. Ambivalence and self-abandonment. Abandonment. All they right. often, what I find is they often come hand in hand. Yeah. Can you start just like, let's define those terms within sort of the therapeutic or couples or whatever. So uh, tell us a little bit about ambivalence and tell us a little bit about how you look at self-abandonment. Yeah, ambivalence is kind of that, like having contradictory feelings. So, you know, often in relationship, it comes in the form of like, should I stay or should I go? That would be a very typical situation and where you're stuck in ambivalence. Um, but it is it is a feeling of contradictory feelings inside oneself. So love and fear, um, it could be attraction and disgust, you know, so yeah. you're feeling these two things at once. And what ambivalence actually does is it keeps you standing still or stuck. Yeah. Yes. And then self-abandonment is the suppression of one's thoughts, feelings, sometimes values in yeah. order to please other. You're, you're reaching externally for soothing instead of kind of going internally to experience your internal world. So let's, let's start with ambivalence a little bit and just help the audience understand like why we think this is such an important thing to talk about. And I think for me, what jumps out is we had a conversation with our entire staff a few weeks ago where we sort of posed the question to them, like, what is the most challenging dynamic when you're working with a couple and a majority of the people said ambivalence you know yeah. when you're working with a couple and there's a sense of not knowing really what the couple as a whole or one individual within the couple is like just doesn't know you know they're they're ambivalent they're which then leads to that stuckness right so first let's talk the three of us about like why is ambivalence such a difficult thing in the context of relationship? I think it's sneaky. Mm. It's very covert because the way I see it pop up often in sessions with couples is whether it's one partner or both of them, let's say it's just one, sometimes it can look like, well, I just tend to go with the flow. 
you know, I'm kind of, I roll with life's punches. I see where life takes me. But then they're also unhappy. Mm -hmm. What sticks out for me is like the idea of resentment. Because when you said ambivalence, it's like standing still, right? And not like knowing which direction to go. And if there's a lot of resentment there in the relationship, because like needs haven't been met or you don't think you've been able to express your needs or whatever, and you're just standing there feeling really stuck, it's very easy to blame that on your partner to have that resentment. And so like I'm standing still, I'm keeping my heels dug in. Yeah. So the the metaphor for ambivalence that I see is a truck in the sand and you're pushing the gas <laughs> and the wheels are spinning but you're, there's no traction, you're not moving forward. And I think whether it's just in your relationship or if you're in couples counseling, there's this constant sort of energy to like get going, to move forward, yeah. right? And so there's energy being expended, yes. but you're not getting anywhere. Usually that ambivalent person is waiting for the other person to make Boom. the freaking changes. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yo, okay. <laughs> They're waiting for certainty. Yeah. They're waiting for something outside of themselves to bring them a sense of certainty. And so in couplehood, what that looks like is looking to the other person. Well, you just make the decision for me. And this is where self-abandonment comes in. You give away your choice within the relationship. You're putting it on either the universe, something outside yourself to kind of make the decision Ooh. for you. And then when the decision actually comes in whatever form it does, we're often unhappy with how it comes. And then we get to blame the thing outside of ourselves. Well, this is just what always happens to me. I knew they would leave. Victim. We can rattle off. And this is why I often think they come hand in hand because there's a point at which your external experience, you're waiting for the certainty to kind of confirm your negative core belief or your negative narrative. Okay, so then what does it like, how can people understand what it's looking like in their relationship if there is ambivalence? If one or both people are ambivalent, what are the dynamics that start developing in a relationship? One person was experiencing feeling like they were choosing to be in the relationship. Hmm. Now they were choosing to be in the relationship over and over again, even though their partner was in ambivalence and not choosing them. So there's that mm -hmm. dynamic, okay, which I'm like, ding, 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 this is not healthy, right? So there's that role that she played. And then for him, he was very much presented as very laid back. I kind of like go with the flow, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I'm very like adaptable and flexible, which on the outside looks great, but within a relationship and when the other partner is like waiting to be chosen, mm. And they're with an ambivalent partner, it creates so much tension. And so kind of highlighting to the ambivalent partner, because what they were, they ended up talking about was like, well, I don't know if I should stay or should I go. And I look at all my friends who, you know, have divorce and they're in new relationships and it looks great. Mm -hmm. And so there's always this kind of grass is greener. And so it's kind of bringing the reality in that like, you know, part of this dynamic is you're not choosing for yourself. Right. 
And so instead of should I stay or should I go, let's actually ask the question, how can I have a new experience in this relationship? That's, and you know what I say too, when I'm working with a couple where the ambivalence is there, it's like, hey, I cannot tell you by the end of this process that you guys are going to be like in love and happy together, whatever. All I can tell you is this. You guys have spent some time together. You're in here for a reason. You're trying to figure something out. Let us take you through our relationship renovation method. Let us help you understand why things got to this place. Let us help you build compassion for one another again. Let us help you understand yourself for the sake of the relationship, because guess what? Things repeat even in the next relationship. It might look really good in the beginning, but guess what? It starts to go back to our own baggage. And then you can make a decision that feels more clear. Yes. Then then you have clarity, because where you're at right now, even if you left, you're not making a decision out of clarity. You're making it out of fear, and like you're just over this process. You're resigned. You're resigned, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sounds a, a lot like a self abandonment and resignation sort of are are in the same wheelhouse. You know that that we get to a point where maybe that partner who is ambivalent is just like, you know, yeah. this is just the way things are, and I, I don't even know where to go from here. Or I'm just waiting for my partner to somehow you know, put their hands on the steering wheel and course correct. And again, it'll end up going back to the space of like, well, if you're putting the choice outside of yourself, which, you know, ambivalence will do, and that's also a form of self-abandonment, even if their partner does choose for them. Like, let's say the partner's like, you know what, I'm actually tired of this too. Um, I think I could find someone who would actually choose me let me leave this relationship. Then to the ambivalent partner, it reconfirms like, I knew it. Yeah. Like, (laughs) they don't see it as them being a part of the choice process. They're not empowered in their decision. They're powerless. Yeah. And then, man, we're going to recreate this in the next relationship because it does happen because you're not making that choice for you or for the relationship. You're allowing powerlessness to take over and like, okay, Oh, thank gosh, that's done. Yeah. So why do you think, because this this is a dynamic that, that appears often in couples, like why do you think that ambivalence develops within a relationship? Oh, well, I'm just thinking, and so many people don't even recognize this, because I'm thinking about a lot of the ambivalent partners in the past decade that I've worked with. and And a lot of it is like, they grew up in either large families or neglected families and they didn't have needs and they didn't. So they just kind of like did their own thing. And then when they get into a romantic relationship, there's this like idea of like, like I'm good. Like I don't really have needs, but then the other person doesn't feel like they're giving anything to them. Like it kind of becomes very like, oh, you're supporting me, but how can I support you? Oh, I don't need support. I'm really good. And helping that partner who doesn't realize they have needs, that you actually have needs, let's help you understand what they are. Your partner wants to hear them because they want to feel really important too. Mm. And then it feels like both people are involved and they're both two humans, uniquely different, understanding and accepting their differences and then supporting one another in meeting their different needs in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that 
don't know how to take care of themselves. You know, and there's that. <laughs> then there is the that's a bit of self abandonment. <laughs> yeah, and then and then they experience a portion of their relationship where it is very easy. You know, the the sort of front end of a relationship, that honeymoon, yeah. where it feels like just naturally, oh, my needs are getting met. And this is like exciting and connecting, but then eventually we all settle back down into our baseline. Yeah. You know, and the minute it gets tough, this person's needs, ability to understand their needs, ability to communicate their needs just gets, it doesn't boot up, right? And so they, they get into this place of like, go with the flow or kind of like waiting for somebody else to read their mind. Yeah. And then give them suddenly what they need so that then they are bought back in. And it's a hard thing because it's like, I think we've used this word a couple of times. It's a very disempowering place to be stuck in ambivalence. It's a very disempowering place to be to sort of abandon yourself. And I use the metaphor of imagine that you're standing on a cliff. And in front of you is this like forest and you can hear all these crazy noises and you have no idea what's in there. It could be the most like peaceful, calming place. It could be filled with like lions and tigers and bears. We don't know. And then behind you on the cliff, you look and it looks like this velvety, beautiful cloud that you could just fall into. And it looks like paradise down there, but it also like, oh, well, what if actually I don't land on that cloud, right? But the more time you're standing up there, should I go off the cliff? Should I go into the woods? Should I go off the cliff? Mm. You get yourself crazy. And that there's never any guarantee whether you walk into the woods and is it beautiful and peaceful? Are there lions, tigers, and bears? Do I jump off the cliff? Do I land on velvety clouds? Or do I freaking free fall and take the plunge? Doesn't matter. All we know is that you will stop exacerbating yourself and going crazy and you just, you make the decision and then you take every hour, every day, like this is the decision I made and here is my intention around this. Yeah, it empowers so much. And it's gonna, it, I mean, you do so much for yourself in terms of bringing yourself out of a bit of victimhood because if I were to use that metaphor that you just used, you stand up there long enough, eventually a huge gust of wind is going to come and oh. it's going to push you off. It's, life will make the decision for you. And yeah. then it keeps us stuck in that narrative. Oh, I love that. Of possibly a powerlessness. Mm -hmm. I'm powerless to make the changes I, I need to make in my life. Things happen to me all the time. Yeah. yeah and it's sort of a good way to set yourself up for resentment. Yes. And, and then maybe sort of like not have to take any responsibility. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah because Thank if you just, for saying that. Yeah. Yes. If just my partner eventually just gets so sick of it that they're just like, okay, I'm done. It's like, see. And it's super valid. Taking responsibility is a little scary. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a risk. It's right? a risk. But it also comes with so many benefits and rewards in terms of self-confidence, self-empowerment. You know, you're creating the change that you're wanting. You're a part of the new process. You're not just sitting and waiting for things to happen to you or for life to make the decision for you. 
Well, and, and I think like, you know, some of it, this is, you know, we talk a lot about attachment, like some of this is based upon sort of what you bring into the relationship. But I think a lot of times what happens is just a couple, the dysfunction within the relationship has been going on for so long and it's negatively impacting them so much. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try that they just lose hope. That's what Mm. we talk a lot about us as therapists being the carriers of hope, you know, is that it's a huge risk, like you're saying, it's a huge risk to really like say, no, I wanna make this relationship work. No, I have these needs that are really important and I want you to be the person to meet them (laughs) because they've lost hope that it can even happen. And to even hope and say, no, I really want this, you're setting yourself up because it might not happen. You know, that's the scary thing about relationship is our partner might not be able to meet our needs. And so it's scary to double down and be like, no, I love you, I want this. But what's more scary, feeling rejection over and over again, and we know even through research that being alone is one thing, but feeling alone in a relationship is devastating. Because it's like, wow, I must really be broken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go into that like solution place or or at least place of actions, right? Let's start with if you are the person who is feeling ambivalent, who has sort of abandoned their own needs or, or abandoned their own voice, what's the process of moving out of ambivalence? I mean, if we use your metaphor of the truck, I would get out of the truck. It's moving out of the space. And so it comes in choosing in small ways. Like often I think what part of the process is, is ignoring our gut intuition. And it's listening to our body (laughs) and those gut intuitions and starting to make movements in small areas of our life where we're, we're making choice so that we can build that sense of empowerment, like little by little. Yeah, it's not this grand gesture. It's the baby steps in order to get to that place. And I love you like taking that metaphor and taking that one step out is like, I'm taking my foot off of the gas, I'm getting out of the truck, and I'm taking a few steps back and I'm looking at what is happening. Oh, yeah. What is happening? And I'm looking at myself. Self looking. Yeah, I I think, (laughs) and I think that's the huge step is like, it's that personal responsibility. And we tell all of our couples, this process is about your personal growth in the service of the relationship. Yeah. And so 
I think ambivalence, like you said earlier, is a lot of time looking at the other person to give you the solution or create the momentum. And you're saying like, get out, take a look at yourself. What can I change? And that's what I mean by like kind of viewing instead of the question being, should I stay or should I go? It's like, what could the new experience be? Yeah. What feels safe? What feels good for me? What is my partner maybe agreeing to as well? How can they support me in this? And then you're like doing this thing together. Yeah. And it's like traction. That's why I think a lot of couples who come in for counseling, like they might not know where the hell they're going to go, but they're like, we're here together with this other person looking at us, hopefully providing awesome safety and feedback so we can move forward in the best way that we need to for ourselves and each other. Yeah. I think that part of ambivalence, if you're coming to couples counseling, could be the hope that this process makes the decision for you. And that's not even true. This right. decision is still left up to you. But there's this beautiful process of let's make some changes. Let me as a clinician hold a mirror up a bit. Mm. Just kindly hold a mirror up. Let's look at what you can change. You specifically not what can change outside of you, but what you can change in your internal world that needs to be shifted. And then maybe as the process goes on, these little changes help you to decide, oh, I'm going to stand in this relationship or nope, I'm going to stand outside. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's helping you make the choice or this is actually we're creating a new relationship together, new experience, and this is what it's going to be. People actually have done this. This yeah. is, we get through it. Like you can go from ambivalence to empowerment to making changes for yourself and your relationship that are really, really healthy. And people are like bewildered, like we had no idea. Yeah, once it's kind of in your awareness, it's hard to ignore. And for a few of my couples where one or both were in ambivalence, or, you know, pieces of self-abandonment, you know, as sessions progress, they come in and they're like, you know, I think I'm actually in ambivalence today, or I have been for a bit, or I did this thing and it reminded me of what you were talking about the other day. Like, And so once it's in your awareness, it's hard to kind of like ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> I think like what you've done for me is you've that self-abandonment portion is so huge because I think like I would get stuck sometimes working with a couple around like I would just get stuck in like ambivalence. Like they don't know what they want. They don't know whether they want to be in it. And I would maybe push them towards like committing to something. And I think maybe that I was missing a big step there. And, and what you've helped me understand is like that self-abandonment that if instead we can help a person take care of themselves again, become more self-aware. Mm -hmm. Like that is the beginning. Like I can't expect them to make a choice or commit to anything or take action until they reconnect with themselves. And what is abandonment? Abandonment is like walking away from a child. You know, it's like they have a need you know, there, there's nothing, nobody, no net, no crutch, no nothing to help them stand, right? And that the first part of getting out of ambivalence 
is paying attention to yourself again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, and and finding a way to do that, whether it's just taking care of yourself physically, you know, whether it's it's reading a book that that inspires you. I feel like you know? people getting in their body, exercise, yoga, that's like really powerful because it's like you're in your body too. It's like the most simple step to become more aware of what's going on internally is just like, what am I feeling? How can I create moments where that feel good in my body and eventually that's going to get back to in my in my mind in my heart so can i ask you teresa what do you see right because you get to observe this from like the stages of i don't even know if i want to be here to you having a closing session with a couple because they're like no we've we got this now like help listeners like kind of visualize what it looks like when they have worked through ambivalent self-abandonment. And again, it's not over a couple of weeks. It, it can be over months. It can, every, everybody has a different timeline. Yeah. I think EJ kind of described it in a small way in which it's like when he was talking about his experience with ambivalent couples and he can kind of steer them towards, you know, making a choice in a certain direction, but that could happen, but there could be a lack of confidence. And so I think, you know, as I've seen couples progress, whether it's one partner or both, there starts to become this look into their internal world instead of looking so externally. Mm. They start to examine their own behaviors. They start to examine their own motivations within the relationship. And they start to kind of get curious and question those. They start to make little improvements, little steps forward in soothing their own internal world. Like they're more okay with experiencing the full range of emotion where before with ambivalence, it's turned down, it's numbed. And what that does for each partner is it increases their confidence. And what I've seen is it's almost like if I could watch like some dull flowers and then the flowers brighten and the flowers like come together. I know that's like a silly metaphor, but it really does feel like they've brightened and they're like in my office, they start to move closer to each other and I can see the compassion and the love that they start to have for one another. And there is a desire to spend time, more time with this person. Yeah. And their relation becomes like a symbiotic movement forward together again. Yes. You know, because that's, couples come in because they've become to feel extremely separate and they're feeling like they're sort of each doing whatever they have to do sort of on their own. And so this process, I'm I'm trying to like condense it here a little bit, is like sometimes there's a couple and one or both people are ambivalent. They don't know what they want. They don't know how to get to a place that feels good. Our suggestion is like you, one or both of you have sort of self-abandoned, you've disconnected from your own needs. So the process is like really getting more aware of what's going on for each of you individually. And then once that happens and both people have an understanding, they're also using some of our tools around communication to express these things in appropriate, hearable, kind ways. Then all of a sudden there's like this mutual attraction. Yes. It's almost 
almost like the gears come back out from the cogs, they connect together, and then they start. you start moving with your partner towards something instead of both of you spinning wheels getting nowhere. Yeah. Well, what I, yeah, when what I'm like, of course, it's kind of more trauma model here, but it's you become a whole person integrated with another whole person integrated. And it feels real for the first yeah. time for whatever it needs to feel for you because you're a whole integrated self now. Yeah. And the tough thing is it's not like a, it's not a switch. No, we no. can't Darn just it. like, we can't just like <laughs> click it on. It's incremental. It takes individual awareness. It takes insight. It takes communication skills. It takes empathy. You know, all of these things that we work with couples on that they're all, they're like, I think of them as like layered tools, you know, that like we have to layer our tools, our awareness, Mm -hmm. our insights on top of one another. And then they, it starts like clicking, but it takes a second. It takes a second. Yeah. Yeah, And it's ongoing, right? It never totally stops. No, but I, I love, well, first of all, Teresa, just, you just have this brilliant mind and I know clients and couples feel so safe with you and you've helped so many people at our center and and even in your other podcasts like I'm just so grateful for you here with us like I just could cry because you're just awesome but I think you really bringing this podcast is going to be a light bulb for so many people because I don't think a lot of people even would call it ambivalence yeah it's very subtle. It's a very s- subtle dynamic that is often learned. And so when it's learned, we know that it's historical yeah. and we have a hard time seeing outside of it. Yeah. I think we as clinicians, when we're working with a couple, we see it. And I, I think you're right. I think a lot of times they don't see it. Mm-mm. You know, they, they don't know what to call it. They don't, they don't know what to call it. Well, now we do. Now we for do. For the <laughs> listeners anyway. Well, and that self, I just can't, I'm like internally rocked by that self-abandonment piece mm. is huge, you know, and that's something for you as an individual listening to this today of asking yourself, is there ways that I've sort of abandoned myself and my needs, right? Or am I like waiting for my partner just to like mind read them or, or just yeah. naturally sort of figure them out? And are there ways in which I can get deeper in touch with myself mm-hmm. and communicate more clearly with my partner? You know, like we had a moment like this the other night. I think you re- referenced it in another podcast of like, I had a need, you know, and I took a risk and I told you it and you told me that you had sort of an internal reaction around Mm -hmm. it, but then you worked through that and then you responded to it over the last few days and it's felt really good. And and I'm definitely a self-abandoner at times where I just Mm -hmm. am like, I don't pay attention to my needs and then I certainly don't voice them. And that's really a difficult place to put you into. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And And it's like, yeah, I want you to express your needs. And like that little part of me is like, no. I had a really bad week. Don't you even come to me anymore. I'm like, actually, no, this is really healthy. Absolutely. I will give you more appreciation, honey. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, you know, again, these concepts are are sort of, I think, sometimes abstract to people. And, and we, we do our best within the context of this podcast to bring some, like, you know, clarity to it and make it concrete. But the way to take that next step is embark in a process around these ideas. And, and like I said, they're, they're layered. And, and our Relationship Renovation at Home program really takes concepts like this and builds upon them. And 
and and the first thing we talk about in the beginning is looking at your past and understanding mm-hmm. each other better. We get into communication on on healthy communication models. We talk about triggers and and how to work those emotionally activated moments, and we get into intimacy within the program as well. So you know we have a free download on the website relationshiprenovation.com and you can do there's a online programs and check it out you know download it and and see if it's something that you and your partner enjoy and we've just had like literally like hundreds of people say this has made our relationship better so check out the relationship renovation at home program and we also just want to like thank you all for being a part of our audience Thank you for passing our podcast on to other people. We've had a lot of people share that they heard about it from other people. It's a great way for couples just to sit down together, listen to the podcast, and really grow their relationship. So so share our podcast. Give us a rating. We really do appreciate it. And finally, thank you, Teresa, for being on with us today for future podcasts. We can't wait for your ideas and yeah, sharing your wisdom. And again, our, our job, our passion is to help relationships thrive because that makes a thriving world. Absolutely. So thank, thank you, you, Teresa. <laughs> thank you. As always, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Your relationship deserves amazingness. Bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.